Hello and welcome to Brandcast, a podcast by the Bram Stoker Club of the University Philosophical Society, Trinity College Dublin. My name is Stephen O'Sullivan and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're joined by the 2023 Rose of Tralee, Miss Roisin Wiley. Roisin was born and reared in New York to an Irish family hailing from County Limerick. After being selected to represent New York in the competition in June, she would go on to win the Rose of Tralee outright this past August. A graduate of Fairfield University, Roisin is currently serving as Vice President of Neptune Retail Solutions, a consumer marketing company based in the US. Today, we discuss Roisin's life story and what brought her to enter the Rose of Tralee. Roisin explains what the Rose of Tralee is, what it means to her and to the other roses, and she responds to criticism of the festival as antiquated and pushes back on the beauty pageant label that is so often applied to the festival. We delve into what Roisin would change about the Rose of Tralee, what makes New York Irish different from Irish America at large. We discuss the most influential figures in her life, and Roisin even gives account of her first visit to the National Plowing Championships. This is our conversation with Roisin Wiley. Roisin, thank you very much for coming on the Bramcast. Stephen, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Great stuff. So how would you describe the Rose of Tralee to somebody who has never heard about the competition? You know, I think that has been one of the toughest questions that I've had to, you know, ask myself many times when I was, you know, going for the New York Rose and then selected as the Rose and then, you know, preparing for my time in Tralee. Because I think, you know, as an international rose, it's it's hard to fully kind of encapsulate what the Rose of Tralee is to somebody who's not from Ireland, who is or somebody who's heard it before. Um, but I think usually I kind of go with the festival route and I say this is, you know, a week long festival in Ireland in in a town called Tralee in the county of Kerry. And, you know, the festival has much more than than just the Rose of Tralee. So there's, you know, music and and uh People come to Trilly just for kind of the, the excitement of it. And we're celebrating 32 roses that were selected internationally from places like New York, Australia. And I kind of, I like to show people that this is much bigger than Ireland. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the festival, there is a rose selected to represent the 32 um, women and, you know, serve as the rose of Trilly for the year. But, you know, really that selection process comes down to kind of who we are as people. And it's, it's, Similar, I guess, to a Miss America style pageant, but so different then as well. Um, but it's definitely a conversation. It's a hard question just to kind of like answer without having a bit of back and forth. Absolutely. Um, before we get into um, a further conversation on the role of the competition itself, could you maybe speak to your own life story and how it brought you to wanting to enter the roles of Chile at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so I'm 27 years old. I'll be 28 in December. I was born and raised in New York. So um, my mom and dad, Magellan and Eddie, they were born in Limerick and lived there their whole lives and moved over to New York in their 20s. And they had my brother and I here and raised us here, but my whole extended family is still over in Limerick and, and a bit around Ireland. So we've, we've grown up very, very close to our Irish culture. And I've always known of the Rose of Tralee, you know, with my name being Roisin and meaning Rose kind of it, it would always be a bit of like a joke oh like our Rose is here and you know Roisin will go for the Rose one day and we always said oh yeah almost like you know a dream uh, something that I could never would a bit out of reach but um so I yeah, went to school here went to college I graduated with a marketing degree and during the pandemic I ended up moving home and I 
came across the New York Rose election in 2022. And I said, this is a perfect thing now for me to focus on, you know, like we weren't doing, I was living at home, work was from home and said, I, I'm going to focus on this now for myself and went for it in 2022. I wasn't selected as the New York Rose, but I really had a great experience. Um, Katrina Collins, the 2022 New York Rose represented us so well. And I was like, you know, I have to go back for it in 2023 and kind of that really now has led me to, to today. Um, but the Rose of Chile has always kind of just been something that's relevant in my life. And now to think that that's, it's the most relevant thing I'm doing is, is very, uh, still shocking. And you lived in Ireland for a small spell as well, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So my parents ended up building a house over in uh, Patrick's Well in Limerick and we moved over. I was, I was probably three or four. I just remember we had dogs next to left and right of us so we always had you know a bunch of dogs in the backyard but then we ended up moving back to New York after a year so it was a quick stint but um you know I don't know really what kind of caused them to I think there was a bit of a housing boom and it made sense for them to build and sell so I think that was the reason they ended up coming back and I guess New York just you can't leave it once you're over absolutely um so what was the process of actually entering the competition once you decided that it was something you wanted to do yeah so so there are over 60 centers internationally with the Rose of Chile, and every year 32 centers send a rose to Chile. So kind of the process with the competition is that um, every center or 32 centers will host a selection process. So in New York, that selection happened at the end of June. Selections will be happening between you know February through June of the, the calendar year. And um, I was I went into the selection with eight girls here in New York. I know that in Kerry, they actually have like regional selections. So there were three regional selections and community selections before actually going to the Kerry selection. So the process really kind of starts there in your your own center. And then once you're selected, it really is a a firestorm of things to prepare for Trilly. So we're given a very detailed list of kind of what we are expected to bring with us, whether that goes by outfits or just kind of, you know, um, different items to have prepared for the two weeks on the Rose Tour and on our time in Chile. And then before we knew it, we were there. But the one thing that was great was, you know, the day after I was selected, I was added to a group chat with all of the other girls that had been selected. And we already kind of started developing this community from that moment of selection. And then when we all got to Ireland, we were like, all right, you know, finally we're together. But yeah, the process would be, you know, it's, it's pretty hectic once you're picked. Was it more hectic or less hectic than you expected it to be so i'd say the process leading up to truly was i'd say more hectic and in in a good way only because truly was so organized with you know what they wanted us to come to this prepared with and it was like almost as if you wanted to check off every box that you could and then as well as all of your family and friends supporting you leading up to the you know to this big big experience so it was more hectic but it, it's it's just this overwhelming sense of like love and support and excitement. So it's it's a good type of tactic anyway. Yeah. The competition itself, you compared it to the Miss America. Do you think a beauty pageant is an accurate term to describe the competition? See, you know what? It's funny. Like this, this is such a a relevant question. I think for the Rose of Chile, right? There's this notion of it being about you know the pretty dresses and us having our hair and makeup done and. I think that's because so many people just see kind of, and you know, you can only see like the pictures and the videos of what's going on. Um, but I truly think that the Rose of Chile is a, an experience that empowers each of us to, to be ourselves. 
well beyond kind of what we're wearing or what we look like. And it's such kind of a, a wholesome and really taking a look at the whole person much beyond kind of your look. So I would say that in a pageant style where there are 30 women and one is selected, that is like the only comparison I would make to a pageant. Um, genuinely, as, as after being a participant, I saw the amount of kind of focus on encouraging us to just be ourselves and you know, like going into the experience, we all love getting dressed up and having the pretty dresses and doing our makeup. So I think that like on top of, of the pictures and what everybody sees from the outside, we do love the, you know, opulence of it and the glamour of it as well. But truly when we're focused on, you know, the qualities to be a rose and to, to be the rose of truly, and has nothing to do with what you look like or your beauty. It's much more focused on inner beauty and, you know, who you are as a person. And I think from the outside, I could see why it's a bit hard to see that or hard to understand that but truly after participating I I feel so kind of confident in the power of the message that the Rose of Chile wants to give across. So how ultimately is the Rose of Chile decided when the judges select when the judges selected you to be Rose of Chile? Even that's a great question I I truly when I was standing up there on stage and I think I could speak for the 31 other girls as well I wasn't even thinking that, you know, I had a shot at this after getting to know everyone and everyone brought something different to this class of, of women, you know, whether it was, you might have like Quiva, I always think that Carlo Rose, she was great when we were on the bus, kind of getting us to sing and getting us up and active. Um, and then like Ashling, the Claire Rose, she was very good at, you know, keeping us organized if we had to like, you know, make a dance or make a song and, you know, everybody brought a different quality to this. And I don't know what it was that, you know, led me to be the rose that was selected. But, you know, the moment I was selected, there was just crazy amount of shock. Like, how could this be me? I, I don't know why it's me. But then when the girls were all around me, I was like, you know, this is my year now to represent us. So it's like, maybe, you know, it's now my job not to represent Roisin, but to represent Roisin and the 31 other girls that I, you know, went through this experience with. So I think maybe the judges saw that in me that I, you know, can see kind of those things that the beauty of the class instead of just um, maybe individually, but it really, it's a question I don't know if I'll ever really have the answer to. Yeah. So it's not just a couple of minutes that you have on stage in Chile, is it? Yeah, well, so so we, we do, do just have those five minutes or so on stage with Catherine Ergahi, but like for me, when I think back to the experience, that was about 5% of the whole thing. Like, you know, we spend two weeks together. So we go over and we we have the Rose Tour, which is that first week. Um, we started off in Wexford. We traveled to Longford. We were in Dublin for a bit. We were in Meath. And and that really was, I think, the, the like, meatiest part of the experience for me because we were getting, you know, introduced to all these different towns that had prepared for us to, to be there. And it really kind of was shocking to see the support that we got traveling through Ireland and where us girls got to spend a lot of time together and really just get to know one another. So that was the the bulk of kind of getting to know each other. And then we ended up in Chile and we were all just overwhelmed with the amount of people, amount of support, amount of, of like opulence. So it was, and I, and then I don't think it was until we all left each other that we realized how much we all bonded and how this is, you know, a once in a lifetime thing that you don't understand unless you're, you're there and you're a part of it. So yeah, that stage piece, anyway, is such a small piece of, of the bigger picture. Could you maybe describe what it was like during that stage piece? And did it seem longer than the few minutes you were up there? Or did it go by in the blink of an eye? 
Oh my goodness. It went black. I still haven't watched my interview on stage because I just, I'm terrible at, at watching back everything like that, but it went by in the blink of an eye. Like, so, so really kind of the, the, the layout is the girls who are on, on either the Monday or Tuesday night, if you are, if you're going to be on television that night, you're back in the green room in, at the MTU and we're all watching the girls before us on stage. And, you know, half of it is excitement because you're watching your friend up there speaking about, you know, herself, but then the other half is just absolute like fear. I'm about to go on live television, you know, like it's, and then, and then you walk out and, you know, we had been luckily able to meet with both Catherine and Dahi multiple times before being on stage. And when they say it's just a chat, it, it really is just a chat. Like we got up there and I couldn't even see the crowd just because of the lights and Catherine, it was so um, easy to talk to. We kind of knew the different things that I'd end up speaking about. So by the end of it, I kind of forgot that I was, you know, on RTE and it, it went by very fast. And then at the end of my uh, interview, I sang a song, which I, the one thing I, I was surprised that I wasn't nervous about really doing, doing that. It's, I'm not a singer by any means, but it was, it was just nice to kind of, I was doing it for my family. And I think when you just have that comfort of, if I sound great, if I don't sound great, my parents are going to love it. My family's going to love it. And I, and I think that was, that gave me a bit of peace anyway, going into the, the onstage interview. And for those that didn't watch The Rose, what song did you pick and what motivated that decision? Yeah, so I, I sang a song, it's funny, you, I don't, I think if you Google it, it wouldn't even come up, but it's called The Cottage with the Horseshoe or the Door. And it's an old Irish song that my, my grandfather, Charlie O'Reilly, my mom's dad, he used to sing all the time. And I never met him. He passed away before I was born, but my mom sang it to me in the hospital uh, after I was born. And when I, when I was selected as the New Yorker, she said, Roisin, like this, is, that's the song you should sing, you know? And, and um, so I'm, I, I, it definitely gave me so much peace just knowing that it was, you know, truly just for my family and, and, and nobody else. Yeah. It seems um, there was a really deep connection to the, the song you chose and your connection to Ireland. What is it about New York Irish that distinguishes itself as a subset of the American Irish at large? Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that that really just comes down to what makes New Yorkers different than, you know, than anybody else. And I think that New York is such a unique city in the sense of it's, it's a tough city to live in, but it's also, you know, the best city in the world in terms of opportunity. And um, it's, you know, I just feel motivated being in the city. Everybody is so independent. And I think as um, a child of Irish immigrants, I think New York gave that sense of energy to anybody that came over as well, where it's like, you have the opportunity to do what you want to do. And, um, you know, there's just this kind of like motivating energy that this city gives you that I don't think other cities maybe have the hardness that New York has. And I think when you pair that toughness with also just the excitement and the, you know, every everywhere in the city is a bit different, you know, it's like almost like 10 cities in one. So I think when you pair kind of the unique opportunities that you get in New York with also the toughness that it brings, like that just clicks with the Irish. And I think that, you know, the Irish community here is so strong as well. Like, it's funny now, even after being selected, I've been to a few events and you'd see the same faces at most of them. And everyone is just, you know, when you come over, it's you build another family here of, of, of you know, friends because everyone is so tight and supportive of one another uh, in the Irish community. Yeah. So having been crowned Rose, how has your life changed since? 
So I think I think my life has changed kind of on two different sides of it. One is just from like a timing perspective. I really wasn't, you know, expecting to take on this new responsibility and role for the year. So I, I will still have my full-time job um, in, I currently work in sales and marketing in the city, but I, I work remote. So it's, um, hopefully I'll be able to balance the two anyway, maybe work a bit of some time in Ireland. Um, I will be going on a few different trips throughout the year and, you know, attending different engagements. So yeah, from a timing perspective, that that's one big change. And then I'd say kind of personally, since coming back from the Rose of Trillian, I, I think I can speak for myself and so many of the other roses that it was such kind of an empowering and unique experience that kind of coming back and adjusting to real life now after after kind of being put on this pedestal for the two weeks and and really kind of speaking about yourself and your family. It's like I'm a bit kind of more reflective on gosh, what is now like my purpose and what what am I really kind of meant to be doing? Because being a part of the Rose of Julie was so empowering. And now, you know, you almost come back to take to life where it's like, oh, go to work every day and you kind of are going about kind of your day-to-day -day tasks. So I think personally, I'm just thinking a lot more about, you know, what I find meaningful in life and what I want to dedicate my time and energies to um, outside of just kind of what I've, I've already committed to kind of work-wise and what I was doing before, you know, entering the, the Rose. What do you hope to achieve with the platform that you've um you know, you're, you've gotten now. Um, I know a predecessor of yours, Maria Walsh, went on to become a, Europe, a member of the European Parliament. Um, have you anything in mind for the future? Yeah, oh my goodness. I, I'm so mad. I, I missed Maria, I think, by like an hour or two at the plowing a couple of weeks ago, but I was really hoping to meet her. She just, I've just heard the best things about Maria. But, um, but oh my goodness, I know, you know, it's funny when I think about where this opportunity can take me. I've it's unbelievable. I, I I still haven't wrapped my head around really being named the Rose of Chile and to, and and kind of what I want to accomplish over this next year. No mind, you know, where this will take me years after this. But I think immediately as as the Rose, I really just want to kind of I would love to just be a friend to, to kind of young girls and young people. And and I think something that now that I you know I'm almost twenty eight years old. I feel like I've experienced so many different stages of life and I've learned so much from, you know, transitioning to college and, and, you know, going through some hardships, trying to find myself with, you know, friends or socially or academically. And then, you know, spending some time studying abroad, finding a job then after college, moving into a city, just kind of all of these different stages of life that um, I would love to kind of be a figure for young girls to come to and, you know, just for guidance and a friendly face to, to talk to. Um, and then kind of, that's kind of one of the things I'd like to focus on as, as the rose. And then also kind of highlighting my other 31 roses in different um, organizations or topics that they are passionate about. I think that that's gonna be, you know, something that I hope to focus on throughout the year. And then after, after this year has completed, I would, you know, the sky's the limit, I think with where this could take me. Um, I think a career change would be, you know, something that I would be willing to pursue. Um, and, you know, I love talking to people and I love meeting people. So if it's something that, you know, continues to be a public kind of uh, opportunity, I would, I would love that. But right now I think I'm trying to grapple with this, this year and then, you know, what's to come is just going to be, you know, icing on the cake. If it were entirely up to you, 
what would you change about the roles of Chile as a competition as and an institution? Oh. Hmm. That is a good question. I think I think one of the biggest things are or I guess misconceptions coming out of the the festival is that notion of kind of the, the beauty pageant-esque kind of nature of it, or even that maybe the the notion of the Rose of Truly might be a bit antiquated. And I would I think the way that to kind of combat that would be to showcase really kind of what the roses are doing along the two weeks that we spend on the rose tour, even leading up to our selections for our, our centers, and then really kind of, you know, what our goals are after the year, after those two nights on RTE, you know, and I think that if I could change something about the festival, it would be highlighting those experiences outside of the, you know, five minute interview that we have on stage. Um, for me, those were the most meaningful and most pivotal, pivotal points on the journey from, you know, me, whether it was stopping in um, a certain town and getting to meet the people of the, that town or, or, you know, stopping at an, you know, elderly home and getting, you know, that one piece of advice that you might've gotten from, from, you know, a man or woman. There are just so many kind of steps along the way that I think are so meaningful and give power to the message of the Rose of Tralee that enough people don't get to see. And if there was a way to integrate more of that into what, you know, the large public sees on the, on RTE, that is something that I would love to focus on changing and um, I guess modernizing with how this festival is publicized and, and looked at nationally. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I, I don't think there's, you know, I could, I could probably think if there was any, you know, small changes, but I think that's the biggest thing that I would, would hope to, to change to make this a, a better experience for everyone. Yeah. You mentioned that you were at the plowing a couple of weeks ago. That's more than many Dublin people can say more than many people I go to college with could say. How would you describe the plowing to somebody who has never been there? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I did not know what to expect going into it. I was, um, the day after I was selected as the Rose, they said, usually the plowing is the first big event that you'll go to. And I had never heard of the plowing in my life. And I, I didn't know what to make of it. And I was even, I, I, I couldn't even kind of wrap my head around what this first event was going to be. But then every time I brought it up, people would kind of laugh and joke around with me. And I got tidbits here and there. They'd say, you know, this is hundreds, thousands of people go to this, you know, event over the, you know, three or four days. Um, bring your wellies. They'll be, you'll be in the muck. You won't see even a quarter of it. And so I was like, God, what is this event going to be like now that, you know, at the size of it? But it was a great day. I like I luckily I went on the Wednesday, so we had missed the rain and it was very mucky. But if you had your wellies, you were fine. And I think, you know, the people that are at the plowing are just there for for a bit of fun and to walk around and see, you know, the different tents. Um, I got to meet the Flemings. So Ty Fleming and his family, they were uh, really kind of just great to meet in person. I was fangirling a bit. Um, and yeah, I would recommend to anybody if you're considering ever going, I'd say though, like the parking situation and getting in might be a bit tough. Like it, that, that looked a bit uh, daunting, but once you're in there, it was a great time. We ended up in one of the tents with uh, a band and a few of the other roses and escorts also came with me. So we just had a good day there, but I definitely recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is fierce crack, definitely for anyone who hasn't gone. Um, it is far from just farming, too. People think, you know, right. you have to be a farmer right. to go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, there's too much. There's there's a fashion tent. 
there's I didn't even get to see that there was um yeah gosh there everything was there really like there it was you couldn't you couldn't play something that wasn't there but yeah no it was I definitely recommend to anybody who is considering anything. Who has been the most influential figure in your life thus far? Oh, goodness. Well, I might be a bit cliche here, but I, I have to say my mom and dad, the, the two of them. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of seen different and going through this this Rose of Truly experience, you, you really reflect on kind of who you are as a person and, and what has made you, you know, the person you are today and why you carry the values that you carry. And I have such respect for the way that my mom and dad have raised my brother, John and I, and even now just, you know, growing up as an Irish American and growing up with the name Roisin, I, I never really was super active with thinking about how important it was to me that my parents were from Ireland and they were first generation or I'm first generation. They were, you know, came over here and built a life for us and they just work so hard every day and they wouldn't say a word about it. You know, it's just, it's just what they do. And I think kind of, you know, the work ethic that they've instilled in my brother and I on top of just this kind of optimistic and positive outlook on life that, you know, you, you go about your, what you need to do and what you need to get done and you, you work hard and you will, you'll get to where you need to be. And there's going to be a few bumps along the way, but you take it in stride and, you know, you move on from it. And I think, my mom on one on one hand might be a bit more kind of forward with that that encouragement and you know a bit more of our she kind of keep me on the straight and narrow whereas then my dad would always just kind of keep us laughing throughout the the good and the bad so they have just been such influential of course but like such influential the most influential two figures in my life that have shaped me to be who I am today and I am just so proud to kind of represent them as well you know through this this whole process I think my mom and my dad just got just as many texts and calls that I got, you know, after my name was announced as, as the Rose. So I am just so proud to be able to represent, you know, my family through this, because I think that's the only reason really now, you know, I'm, I'm confident enough to be here to have done that, ex you know, gone through that experience. So um, hands down, they would be the most influential people in my life. Last question now, a question we asked to all the podcast guests, what topic or what thing do you think about every single day oh what topic do i think about every single day well okay on a very surface level i think about my morning coffee every day i love waking up to my morning coffee and and generally i would say what i think about now every day is kind of what do i need to do today to, to be happy um is it a small going on a walk is it going to exercise is it is it watching a little show on television i'm very mindful of the small things that I need to do to to keep myself happy and going. And um, I think that it's hopefully something we can all kind of do. It doesn't, you know, just think about what, what is it that makes you feel best and, and what can you do to get there? And so I think that is something that I definitely think about every every day. Very good. Roisin Wiley, The Rules of Lee 2023. Thank you very much for coming on to Bramcast. Thank you, Stephen. Very happy to be here. Thank you. That was our conversation with Roisin Wiley. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe. Until next time, thank you for listening to Bramcast. <laughs>